If you believe God forgave a huge debt, unpayable, you'll forgive other people with that kind of love and forgiveness. Then you can begin to forgive those who've hurt you. And we have a lot of difficult people in our lives, don't we? Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. We all have people in our lives that rub us the wrong way. Sometimes they are referred to as sandpaper people. And then there are times when we are the ones who are difficult to be in a relationship with. Today, David takes us to Luke chapter 6 in the beginning of a series of messages called Difficult People. The truth is, though, isn't it, that because of the fall in Genesis 3, because something really malevolent entered this world, our relationships are broken. And we have a lot of difficult people in our lives, don't we, who've hurt us. In fact, in some ways, we're a difficult person for other people. So I want to deal with a section of Scripture from Luke, the sixth chapter, from what's commonly called the Sermon on the Plain in Luke. Uh, Matthew 6 is the Sermon on the Mount, two different sermons with some similar teachings. But this one from Luke 6, we're hanging around in Luke for some months now on how Jesus counsels us to deal with difficult people. I know in my life, I I have difficult people. I I sometimes get letters from people that are very caustic and very critical. Um, I remember one that I received and I opened up and all it said on it was fool. F-O-O-L, fool. And I thought to myself, you know, from time to time I get letters where people express their criticisms and never sign their names, but this is the first time ever I've just gotten a letter where the person signed their name. That, that, that's not a true story, by the way, but I thought it was funny. I read it online. I thought it would be something I could use. But the truth is, we all have critical, negative people in our lives, don't we? So we need help on how to deal with them. And if we're that person, some help on getting the log out of our own eye, which is today's text. Jesus said, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. For those of you who don't know, that's a word for a story, an illustration to make Jesus' point. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Good teaching. So how do you deal with difficult people in your lives? Jesus addresses it here from the Sermon on the Plain. First of all, he begins with a don't. Two things. First of all, don't judge those people. Don't be critical Don't find fault with them. Another way of saying that is don't write them off in your life. 
Don't write them off. Don't judge them. Secondly, don't condemn them. Don't critique them. Again, don't write them off in your life. The bottom line with judging and condemning is basically a person who says, I don't want you in my life anymore. I'm tired of you. Gone. And Jesus says, don't do that. For they're people of value, even though they're difficult people in your life. I died for them as well. John 3, 17, right after that famous verse in John 3, 16, where Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world and he died on the cross to forgive us, to give us the gift of eternal life. In verse 17, Jesus says, for I, the son, did not come to condemn the world, but to love it. He didn't come to write us off. Aren't you glad for that? He could have, for in his eyes, we were difficult people in our rebellion and our sin. But he didn't. He came from heaven to earth to love us and to give us the gift of love even to those who are difficult people in our lives. So don't judge. Don't condemn them. Don't write difficult people off. You can't do that. But then he says do, and he gives us two things to do. First, forgive. Forgive. What's the definition of forgiveness? It is the refusal to retaliate. I can't speak for you, but when someone has hurt me, I want them to suffer as much, if not more, than the way they've hurt me, right? Yes. Jesus says, don't do it. Forgiveness should be your action, and that's letting them go. It's releasing them and not holding a grudge and wanting them to suffer not just as much, but even more than you've suffered. And then uh, he teaches the whole idea of what's called the law of reciprocity, Whatever you give out, you'll get back. If you give out judgment and condemnation to other people, that's what's going to come back to you. Ephesians 4.32, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament in the Bible, said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ, what folks? Forgave you. So forgiveness, the refusal to retaliate, is rooted mostly in the knowledge of the great debt that God in Christ has paid for you. I am convinced your ability to forgive other people is in direct proportion to how much you know God has paid your penalty. If you think God just paid a little dab of your debt, that's how much you'll love other people. But if you believe God forgave a huge debt, unpayable, you'll forgive other people with that kind of love and forgiveness. So I can't speak for you, but I just know in my life, I was born with a condition that rebelled against God. As any government in the world knows, anyone who commits high treason receives the death penalty. As I look at the moral law and God's standard for loyalty to him, I know I've broken every single one of the 10 commandments and more so. I've rebelled against God, I've lied, I've cheated, I've dishonored him in so many ways, and the 10th one's always the one that gets me, thou shalt not, and you might know what? Covet, compare, compete, trying to be better than other people, my pride is exacerbated. And God looks at my life and he realizes I'm guilty, and the debt that needs to be paid, I can't pay by my works, I can't, no way. It's a zillion dollar debt. So God knew that, and in his love, he became one of us, and he took on all the penalty, the capital punishment for my treachery on the cross. He died in my place and then offers me the forgiveness of my debt 
and then fills me with his love so that I can live close and intimately with him for the rest of my life. Now, because of that zillion-dollar debt that's been paid on my behalf, then when I deal with difficult people who've hurt me, I can pay off a hundred-dollar debt toward them. You with me? That's what forgiveness is. And if you realize the great debt that God in Christ has paid for you, then you can begin to forgive those who've hurt you, those difficult people who continue to hurt you. Dr. Larry Nasser, the Michigan State doctor, abused hundreds of young girls, even their prepubescent days. And it was awful what he did to them. And he was finally outed, brought to court, and the judge pronounced a sentence upon him that puts him in prison for over 100 years. One dad of one of the young girls who was abused appeared in court and asked for just a moment to speak. And the judge granted him that. And he said, judge, may I have five minutes alone with that guy? And the judge said, no, we, we don't operate that way in our judicial system, no. Then he said, could I have one minute alone with him? And the judge said, well, well no. And then some of you saw the video that went viral. He bolted toward Dr. Nasser, and he had to be caught before he got to him and restrained and handcuffed. And I got to admit, folks, I watched it, and I thought of my little Bethany, my firstborn, and I believe with all my heart a part of daddy overseeing is to be a guardian and protector of my family, especially my little princess. And if that guy had done to my Bethany what he did to that little girl and I was that dad, I would have rushed toward him too. And forgiveness is not easy, is it? It's hard, especially if someone really has hurt you. But yet, folks, we need to do it. Why? It, it, for the health of society, because if we keep retaliating, the anger is etched higher every day and we'll keep retaliating in such a way that eventually we kill each other. As Gandhi said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth means ultimately we're sightless and toothless. But secondly, it's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. Because as you've heard me say often to Hold bitterness in your heart because a difficult person is irascible. Ultimately, if you don't forgive, that's like drinking arsenic and expecting the other person to die. That means that person who hurt you continues to hurt you. And if that person has died, that person continues to hurt you from the grave. Forgive, let them go, release them to God for society's benefit, for your personal benefit. So forgive. But also, secondly, give. It was interesting that several gymnasts with Dr. Nasser looked him in the eye. They didn't call him Dr. Nasser. They didn't think he was worthy of being called doctor. They said, Mr. Nasser, I forgive you. I forgive you. But, but then Jesus has taken a step further and give to them. You know, return evil with good. So how in the world do we give to people who've hurt us? Jesus uses this verse in Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, unbelievably, this is a verse that prosperity preachers use all the time, that if you'll just give your money, you're going to get wealthy. And it's interesting that Luke 6.38 really is within the context of relationships. It's in the context of people. But it's nevertheless true. It is called the law of reciprocity. It means whatever you give out in life, you'll get back. Uh, Paul, who wrote again two-thirds of the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, said it this way. If you spread just a few seeds in your land, if you sow sparingly, you'll have a crop that's sparing. But if you throw out a lot of seeds, your crop will be in abundance. If you sow abundantly, you'll reap abundantly. So whatever you give out will come back to you. And Jesus uses an illustration here from his day where a person would go to the market and they would have like an apron on. They would get the grain they needed for their day to fix the food for their families. And they put the apron out and the person would scoop out the grain. And then the person would shake the apron in order for the shaft to fall off and for there more to be more grain there. And then they put more and more and more in there, keep shaking it until it not only got to the top, until it flows over. The best illustration I can give you is movies and popcorn. When you order a big bucket of popcorn, the guy puts it in and what does he do? He what? He shakes it so it'll even out. And you're thinking, shake some more, brother, shake some more because you want as much popcorn as you can for the movie. And he puts some more in there and he shakes it and he shakes it and he puts some more in there and he shakes it. And what you ultimately want is not just for the box to be full, you want what? The bucket to have a cone over it so you'll have as much popcorn as possible. That's the illustration Jesus uses here, just not with popcorn, but with grain. And the whole idea is the more you give, the more that's gonna be given back to you. In every area of life, it's true, folks, the law of reciprocity. Now, interestingly, though this verse really is about relationships, it is true in the area of money. I wish I could convince all of you to take the first 10% and give it to God, call the tithe. I wish you'd do that because the Bible promises you'll experience the miraculous. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could imagine. God's able to do that. Beyond what we can even think, he's able to give to us. Marilyn and I have experienced it. You can't outgive God. If you have a fist with your finances, don't expect anything back from God. But when you are generous and open up your fist, God gives back to you in abundance. It's true. You can't outgive God is the euphemism. But it's not just true with money. It's true with our words, isn't it? If you give out critical and negative words, what's going to be given back to you? Critical and negative words. The proverb verse that says life and death is in the tongue is right. If you give out death with your tongue, you'll get death words back. If you give out life with your tongue, you'll get life words back. It's true with condemnation and judgmentalism. That's what Jesus said here. Judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. If you give out judgmentalism, writing people off, if you condemn other people, writing them off, people are gonna write you off. And you'll become an island unto yourself. It has to do with friends. Here's what my mama said to me all the time. 
See if you can complete it. David, if you want friends, be a friend. Your mom and my mom knew each other, huh? If you want friends, be a friend. What is that? It's the law of reciprocity. Jesus teaching, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's what he's saying. You give out mercy, you'll get back mercy. And the same thing's true here with difficult people. If you give to them, if you love them, if you do good for them, that's what's going to come back to you. Maybe not from them, but it will come back to you because it's a law of the universe. Whatever you sow, you'll eventually reap. So people ask me all the time, well, okay, I've been hurt deeply by somebody or I have a difficult person in my life. How in the world do I bless those who've hurt me? How do I pray for my persecutors as Jesus commanded? I mean, they really, really hurt me. Well, let me give you a few thoughts. First of all, pray that they'll meet Jesus. That's the best blessing they could have, isn't it? Pray that that difficult person in your life will come into a personal, deep, abiding faith in Jesus and all their anger and bitterness will be replaced with his love. Ask for that life change to occur. That they will move from their prickliness to hope. listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a conversation about how powerful our words are, both in a positive, helpful way and in a negative, hurtful way. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen. And that kind of grew into the Dream Center and the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened. Um, with the meals as they've gone out, you know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomasboro and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you, Moments of Hope, and just this couldn't be, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And, you know, uh, the, the first call we made uh, when we decided to go this route, and provide these meals was the moments of hope and it was uh, a phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um, everything you all do for us and for the kingdom. And not only that but you uh, also set into our kitchen in the Dream Center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up all the meals will shift to the Dream Center with the kitchen you helped us do. So we're so grateful for you guys. God bless you. God bless Moments of Hope. And we just pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much.
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Jen. It's great being with you as well. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote about how life and death is in the tongue. And I think this is something all of us need to consider. Yeah, I'd love to claim this as a Davidism, but it's only a Davidism because I stole it from Solomon <laughs> in the Proverbs, in Proverbs 18, 21. It's one of the more famous Proverbs that he wrote, life and death is in the tongue. So, you know, Jen, it's something we all need to recognize and realize that we have this little member of our bodies in our mouths, and it can cause extraordinary pain or it can cause great gain. Mm. And it really is up to us. It's our choice how we use our words to either build up or tear down. And there are listeners right now who have been severely scarred by words spoken to them by parents or significant others or someone in their lives, you know, things like you'll never amount to anything and you carry around that gloom and doom thought in your mind for a long period of time? Or why can't you be like your sibling? And then you compare yourself to your sister or your brother or somebody else Mm -hmm. in your life. And that's so deadly to do so. Mm -hmm. And we know that when we, though, use our tongues to encourage other people uh, to say to them, keep going, keep moving, we can see extraordinary positives in their Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. I love the story of Jackie Robinson, the black baseball player who broke the color barrier years ago in Major League Baseball. And when he was in the league for the first year, uh, he received all kinds of taunts and, and racial slurs being yelled at him. And one time he was on third base and he was just about ready to give up. The taunts kept coming toward him. And then from the stands, he heard this little voice yelling to him, you can do it, Jackie. You can do it. We believe in you. You can do it. And he silenced all the negatives and just focused on that one positive voice and he tried to steal home and it's one of the most famous baseball plays in all memory he actually stole home and he later said it was because of that young Mm. boy's words that encouraged him to keep moving forward and that's what kept him in major league baseball and indeed broke the color barrier and now we know the rest of the story so it's a great example of the Mm -hmm. power of positive words i agree and it's reminded me on the the opposite end of the spectrum. When my dad was in grade school, he had drawn this amazing landscape, you know, picture during class. And of course, the teacher found it. And um, she didn't believe that he drew it. And he is mm. an artist today as an adult, of course. And But her words to him were scarring for years to come because mm. she just didn't believe that he had the skill to do it. And it took him a long time to overcome those words. You know, one time when uh, I was playing basketball at the University of North Carolina, it was my junior year, and I hadn't played a whole lot my sophomore year, but I was hoping to play more my junior year. And around Christmas time, I caught pneumonia. Mm. And doggone it, right during a Christmas tournament when it looked like I'd get some playing time, I caught pneumonia and was able to plow through it, got healthy again, came back to practice. And on the first practice, the ball went up in the air. Somehow, because I was a bit rested, I guess, having laid in bed for (laughs) about a week, I was able to jump a little higher, snagged a rebound, bounced off the floor, put the ball back (laughs) in, got fouled, the whistle blew. Coach Smith yells at me, 
Great play, Chadwick. It's great to have you back. Oh, wow. And, and I'll never forget that. Yeah. As long as I live. Yeah. The power of positive words. This is so good. Thank you so much for your insights today, David. Yeah. And listeners, please use your words to build up and edify, not discourage and tear down. And if you'd like to receive from me these daily Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. from my heart to yours to start your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for peace in the Middle East.